Let's do it. Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by Spurts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. We are back. We are live. We are streaming. We are talking NFL. It is great to be back live. Andy is refreshed from an incredible vacation in the beautiful state of Maine. Very jealous that you got to go to Maine. Love, love, love that. Uh, How was your vacation? Pretty good. And you know what? As I thought of you as I was coming back, as I was sitting in Logan, and they had this giant mural of Walden Pond. Not because, not because you're, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, not because you're a deep thinker or some sort of transcendentalist. Yeah, not because I live because a quiet a life, life of quiet desperation or whatever the quote is. Yeah. You were, uh, I remembered that story. I'm like, God, that's weird. I'm like, I think Drew worked here. I was telling my wife, but no, lovely vacation, way too much lobster, a lot of beach time. The beaches were fantastic. Really highly recommended. I don't know what I'm going to do for next year. Might be Outer Banks and not just because the TV show is cool. Like, I think Will's kind of talked me into something in the Carolinas at this point. But, uh, yeah, it feels good to be refreshed and also, like, maybe one of my better weeks in a long time with uh, some Olympic bets hitting the account. And then, really, like, two of the outrights now I've hit on golf have been kind of shitty, which, to be fair, like, my Usti ones, Usti second a couple times. It's bigger yep. numbers. Hurt. But I've got Seamus Power about a month ago with the JP Poston just fucking melt. And then I got uh, Abe Answer with, I mean, multiple people melting. That was, uh, yeah. so it's one of those things. Like, if you keep if you keep doing this long enough, you're going to have a bunch of shitty beats. And you're going to have a bunch of lucky wins. And it'll all come out in the wash. But, yeah, Answer at 50 to 1 and some Olympic bets coming through felt really good. And like I mentioned to a couple people now, my family's sleeping in the hotel we stayed in in Boston last night as I'm up trying to figure out exactly how women's omnium worked. I didn't I really know how it works. By, by the end of it, I it worked out exactly the way it was supposed to work out, Andy. <laughs> it worked exactly correctly. That's all I know. Um, the Olympics were an absolute joy. There is no other way to put it. Uh, winning, you know, generally a, a winning two weeks. Uh, week one, substantially more fun <laughs> from a winning standpoint than week two. Week two was just an all-out sweat on that Japan under gold. Uh, I definitely, um, I think it was the right side, <laughs> right? Yeah, it was, I mean, it, it, I it shouldn't have been that close. There was, we really didn't wait the home judging enough, I guess, yes. apparently, for, but it, it did get there. The South Korean side, that was never going to happen. The that U.S. side, I mentioned this on Brown Bag this morning. I'm glad I took the 46 with at 2-1 to one, instead of oh, laying yeah. any juice with it at oh, least. Yeah. That helped kind of take the take some uh, yeah, of the sting out of it. And really, like, so Japan it, was it, my biggest win. Like, that was one of my biggest positions. That was my biggest win, closely followed by, again, shout out to a longtime friend of the pod, Money Mark Mills. I never do it in the right order, but I I went pretty. He he really got me hyped up for 
uh, the Brits, Brits in that relay. Four by two. We had yep. some big numbers on yep. that. That felt that good. Awesome. And then you you got me just laying all kinds of crazy juice on the kayaker, <laughs> Miss Carrington. Lisa Carrington. I she was in, dynamite, man. Not There wasn't – this sounds silly because there wasn't that much money in this account. But I put an entire account on her in one of the sprints. <laughs> I'm just like, well, I wonder if they'll take all this. And I clicked. I'm like, oh, I guess they did. Oh, they, that's, that's a bet. <laughs> that's, that's a bet. <laughs> So she came through. Yeah, like a lot Mr. of this stuff was dynamite. smaller degen stuff, but there were some nice actionable positions and the gold medal. Yeah, stuff we recommended went three and two for a nice little Olympiad and six months from now. And yeah, somebody just mentioned Australia golds was insanely oh, easy. Australia gold, we Russia really, gold also. That we got there. That to rest. Boy, that should have been easier. Yeah. Well, no, we the Australia. The pool. Here, the pool let me ask the rest. The pool was not pool, short. Yeah, the pool was not short. Absolutely. But just real quick opinion question. Would you rather have a no no doubt week one winner like Australia over, or was it more enjoyable to kind of legitimately break down every single of gold medal that was going to be awarded and try to figure out the, if there was any probability of Japan getting it for the Japan under? Because that 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 was a very unique experience. It was <laughs> fun, but we kept yeah. finding bad surprises. Like, oh shit, we have another <laughs> Japanese guy in the semifinals of a sport that we didn't think they'd even meddle in. We're yeah. we're looking at this every every time there'd be a good surprise. Like, oh, they screwed up in this event. Be like, oh, they have two semifinalists in an event. Like, it, it was that was it was fun. In hindsight, we can say it's fun because the bet won. If yeah. it had been if it had landed on twenty eight, we'd have been not thinking it's quite oh i'd have a red ass oh yeah, yeah. the, oh, yeah, the yeah, australian yeah. and and russia ones like even though they did you know they didn't hit immediately like those were in good shape right off the bat so i i guess i enjoyed all of them equally and i'm excited <laughs> to get back to the winter stuff again. two times in a row now i've been up on the last day of the olympics and and just sweating just insane insane stuff the france under five and a half came down to the last event the Japan under 28 and a half came down to the 27 and a half came down to the last event, the women's Omnium. Uh, and yeah, the, uh, ultimately it was won by Jennifer Valente. Uh, she of San Diego, uh, us 25 to one shot comes through in the women's Omnium to steal gold from Japan. That would have been to number 28. Ultimately, she, I, as a, she, I know it was incredible. Um, ultimately the, um, the, judo handicap i thought was sound but it was still we still caught a ton of a, you know a ton of unlucky breaks we were like there's no way they can win 11 well they didn't win 11 they won nine like they still won a ton of yeah. judo gold medals the five wrestling was a complete surprise i only had that, that one or two that one. hurt and that came late too so there was no way to really protect yourself defend yourself from those um yeah, it turns out yeah. you don't you don't know nothing about the judging that we were going to see there <laughs> no. we were hoping for like six there oh we got a special request from the chat sure what you got k dash bull it's his birthday oh yeah assuming gender here K dash it, it is their birthday. Happy, I'd feel terrible if it was a lady. Happy freaking birthday. Happy um, birthday, Cable. I got well, it. Felt, it felt I, like my birthday that with that uh, Japan yeah. under coming through, man. It oh does, it does feel like there was like a little bit of a letdown, but at the same time, we are now what 30 days away from an NFL opener. We have college yeah. football in a few weeks. The golf, the FedEx yeah. playoffs are coming, right? You know, as much as it's tougher to bet on that stuff, it's definitely exciting events. Like uh, the month of August is pretty good from a sports perspective as far as getting into the the real meat of the NFL as we start to get training camp news every day. My God, 
everybody's in the best shape of their life and every young quarterback's really making all the throws, really, really whizzing the ball, really, really hitting guys deep, really nice session. You know, every time they do something bad, they followed it up with three nice passes after that though. Yeah. And summer league, <laughs> I forgot about summer, summer league's fun. Uh, I just want to put a real quick bow on the Olympics. Five, I think my three, my three favorite moments real quick, watching the 50 K race walk, uh, desperately hoping that Japan did not get that gold. And then it's Japan had the leader, live leader. He was one to one. You know, he's plus 100 basically if you win. And then they froze the market. The Olympics were on commercial. And then you come back, and the Polish guy was like one to 50. And it was like, yes, like, yes, like the live number just told you everything you needed to know before you even saw what happened. You knew the, the Polski was going to win the uh, 50K race walking. That was absolutely incredible. Um, that any other that really stood out of super memorable. Uh, moments from a betting standpoint i mean just some of the the shorter races and swimming like they don't i didn't bet many sprints in the running and track but i bet some sprints in and boy you don't even get a chance to like get nervous like that shit's just too fast like yeah. you, you don't even get a chance to get riled up so i enjoy those because i think it's better for my heart oh the japan the the night we dodged the 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 potential for a table tennis gold, a sport climbing gold, uh, the 20 K race walk gold. And I think there was another, was it, was it the, the, the women's wrestling? There was four golds that were all potential one night and we missed, we dodged all four of them. Anyway, yeah. I'll put a no, and I guess my, fi my final ball on the summer Olympics is man. sports climbing is fire. And we it's should awesome. keep that. It's and awesome. really, I didn't like skateboarding that much. And no, I like they the try games. like I honestly the 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 package they put together of the men's final that was in the you know in the in the um was it the park the one that was in the pool basically yeah. that was that that was pretty good the couple of guys had legitimately amazing runs otherwise that was a whiff surfing was a whiff karate oh my god solo oh karate kata. my god the kata holy crap. That was such a fraudulent sport. I don't know if you watched the men finals, but they gave that to Japan. And the Spanish guy, he was like looking into my soul the whole time he was doing his kata. I was like, this has got to be the best kata that's ever been done. The Japan guy was awful. And they gave the Japan guy the gold. I was so what I'm upset. saying about the home, so the home judging in a sport that nobody's really seen. Yeah, we, so we, we almost what a ridiculous sport. What a ridiculous sport. They cannot Throw believe it they put it. And really all of the karate in general was just insane. I can't believe they made that an Olympic sport. Anyway, great times. Let's move on and let's talk about uh, some football. I'm st still extremely fired up here. I am starting to really crystallize a lot of my opinions across the entire NFL. Not a lot of real uncertainty left in terms of where I'm going to go between now and when we start to see these teams play um, some preseason games. I guess, are you at the point where you've gotten enough information from camp short of injuries, short of seeing preseason? Like, you're, you're not really going to change your opinion much on these teams until we get real live games, right? Yeah, I need to see, like, some games of some starters playing. And even then, it, I don't – I can't use that preseason stuff that much outside of, like, the only useful thing in a preseason game is a guy tearing an ACL. Like, oh, sure. that, that guy's out. Like, otherwise, you know, it's like, oh, this they played well, and then you have to go look. Like, was that a complete? You know, if, if an offense plays well, it's like, you know, was that all their starters? Was that actually the starting defense that we'll see? You know, and also, you know, the, the context of the the game not meaning anything. Like, it, it's tough to take some of that preseason stuff and use it for anything. My numbers are probably where they're at. They're going to move based on injuries to 
probably a quarterback, a key cog to an offensive line, maybe an offensive skill position player. Sure. It have to be a wide receiver where where the replacement is a real tough sell or real tough, real tough hang. Do you so, see yourself so, making any more futures bets between now and the start of the season, or you think you're locked and loaded? Maybe some award stuff, but I'm okay. I'm pretty locked. I have a few more. Uh, you know, uh, regular season win totals I'm digging into. I'll have some more of those, but nothing major. These will all be smaller bets that I'm mostly placing, just okay. doing a little digging. And okay. yeah, with that, the NFC North. Let's get into I've the NFC Central. North today, man. Shall I? Shall I cue the well, let's, 2020 yeah, let's, Lions season? Let's start with the worst team in the Green Bay Packers. Let's get it over with. Um, now, of course, we're starting with the Lions. The Lions are the longest odds uh, of the 2020. Um, of 2021 NFC North challengers and their 2020 season was a disaster in exactly the worst possible way. Right. Like they did really yeah. poorly. They fired their coach, but they didn't do poorly enough to set themselves up to get the franchise changing quarterback. Uh, they don't really have a vision. They had they, the front office turned over, I guess where, when, at, at what point during the 2020 season, did you know it was going wrong for the Lions? So, and I'll probably end up pushing back a little on, I'm not like enamored with the front office, but I, as far as the position they're in, the position they got put in, I don't hate what they did in the off season. Spoiler alert. I'm not hating where they're heading outside Same. of one person. Oh, I strongly yeah. agree with that. Statement. Yeah. I, I think, I think, I think they're, it's not the Miami rebuild, but we're getting there, but yeah, it was, it was a rough season. They were actually dead last last year in points per game given up at 32.4. Only one other team was on the other side of 30. They gave up over 30 points in their last six games. They were not a good defense. This offense was fun at time. They had a couple of good receivers. We'll talk about those guys in a little bit. But, yeah, they, they fired their coach and their GM like the day or two days after Thanksgiving. Like that can't yeah. – that, what, what an awful Thanksgiving break. But, well, I mean, you lose to Texas was, like that. That Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving game was awful. awful. Uh, yeah, oh, we won a lot of money on that, though. Yeah, we did. We went, we went like Texans second half money line when they were like two or three point dogs <laughs> in the half. And yeah, the, getting fired over things. I mean, doing that on national television, performing that badly, playing like that. And it's funny, too. They actually did the whole let's turn over a shitload of positional coaches from the year before to, I don't know if it was a Matt Patricia thing, trying to save his job. There's always jockeying and wait till we get to the bears always jockeying by head coaches and front offices to do things to kind of pass the buck without actually saying it out loud to you know prolong your tenure somewhere especially somewhere where you're not playing well and as low as the expectations have been in detroit for a while even you know even last year it just wasn't gonna be enough and that was a, a terrible beating it was, it was kind of a bad start to the season. Like they looked good out of the gate yeah. and by out of the gate, I mean the first three quarters. And then we had a couple, a couple of cornerback <laughs> injuries. All of a sudden Mitch Trubisky turned into Joe fricking Montana bears put up 21 unanswered in the fourth quarter to win. And that was kind of what we rode, rode from there. They actually were radiant riding an 11 game losing streak into the game. They won against the Cardinals with some late like field goals. It was an ugly game. And if you yeah, go back some, to last season, only 29 I mean, points. Yeah, it wasn't a good season last season either. So, I mean, I I don't blame him for getting rid of Patricia. Matt Quinn, Bevel as an interim, you knew that was never going to be the answer. But then we'll get to – they interviewed quite a few people that are actually head coaches for other teams and then landed on Mr. Nutjob here. But, uh, yeah, the 2020 season was pretty rough. 
I'd say maybe the only positive thing is losing down the stretch, making sure they lost the last few games. The Vikings yeah. were dumb enough to win the final game and move back like four or five spots in the draft because of it, which uh, the Lions lost that game and they might've got a franchise changing or, you know, not changing, but uh, you know, a, a rock solid rookie that could play for a good 15 years at a very important position. So that's uh, I guess that's the only positive I can dig from 2020 outside of maybe getting rid of Patricia, who is, I mean, just, I, I don't have good things to say about Patricia, especially as I dug into him. He just, he wasn't as smart as he let on. He was really low in the, as far as league averages on uh, play action, using the movement, RPO. He wasn't aggressive on fourth downs. Like he was, he was in the bottom third of the league and all that stuff for being yeah. this, you know, the, he's a rocket scientist. I'm a rocket scientist. Well, he wasn't. Well, it turns out, yeah, it turns out eating soccer. pencils is a sign that you're not actually very smart. But aside That's from true. that, the, uh, the, the Lions, he lost that locker room in year one. And they kept him on for year three. And yeah. even, you know, there were some smart people who understand football, who know what they're talking about, that were like quietly like the Lions could win this division last year. Like there was a little bit of steam on their on their NFC North number, right? It went from like 11, 12 to one down, got that down to six, five, six to one. Like they were expected to be a team that was worst case scenario around 500. And if the pieces fell into place on the defense in particular, this is a team that was expected to challenge Green Bay for the NFC North title. It did not go that way. But you mentioned yeah. the week one loss to the Bears was embarrassing the way that they let them back in the game. But of course, they had a cluster injury at cornerback. Uh, on top of having a young secondary, they had a cluster injury occur in week one. Never good. Uh, there was still some betting support for them week two against the Packers. They got absolutely rolled. Um, and even through all this, Patricia managed to kind of keep this team fighting like they were three and three <laughs> like this. This was not a uh, oh, my God, are they going to go winless kind of a team? They were hanging in there around 500 um, until, you know, the wheels really fell apart when they uh, when they lost 20 nothing to the Panthers. That was a, that was kind of the game where you knew the team finally had quit on uh, Patricia. Texans obviously blanked them on Thanksgiving and then the gate, the, the jig is up at that point. Uh, they get one pity win against the bears and lose out the season. I agree with your assessment entirely. Uh, Patricia needed to go. They probably needed to fire him after year two, but you know, they were, they gave him one last chance. Patricia's entire, what he was bringing to the table was his ability to scheme out scheme you defensively. This defense was a disaster and embarrassment for three straight years under Patricia. They never found their footing under him. He never developed players. He never had any of the magic of a Belichick or any of the other, you know, of a, let's say uh, the, the Miami Dolphins coach who came out from under Belichick, Brian Flores, is, Flores yeah. he, he is 20 times the coach Patricia ever was for the Lions. Like, you know, he, he never brought a schematic advantage. He never did anything positive in terms of like, exactly like you said, nothing ever plus EV about the way he operated this football team. Uh, and yes, them kind of moving on from uh, both the head coach and the front office, I think was warranted. Uh, and the expectations are exceptionally low for all the reasons you mentioned. Uh, I, 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 let's move on to the offseason changes, which starts with the maybe the most important change of this franchise. They hit on a first overall QB, which is not a guarantee. Stafford was a hit. Would you agree with that? That's correct. Stafford was a hit. Yeah. I mean, the surrounding, <clears throat> honestly, I don't even want to say like the surrounding offense was a problem. He had good receivers. He had some good backs. It was really the coaching and leadership in the team for most of his career. That he made some playoffs. 
Yeah, I mean, they did make some playoffs. He was very good. I mean, he was a very good quarterback. I still think he is. I still think he's got some gas left in the tank. I don't hate the I don't hate the Rams this year. I mean, it's a tough division. We'll get to them. But uh, yeah, I, I think for sure he was a good quarterback. I think they hit on that. They just outside of that, things just didn't work out all that well. You had Aaron Rodgers in your division for all them years. And once in a while, the Vikings would have a good offense. The Bears, you know, won the division two years ago. It just, uh, it was a tough shake for Stafford. And it was, uh, I think it was the, the right move as far it was as time for, it was time to move on. Well, and he wasn't, he wasn't in on the rebuild. He says, I'm not sitting in on a rebuild at this point in my career. On I top think of it was the fact kind that of a good mutual. Yeah. Yeah, he prevents oh, yeah. the rebuild because his he keeps cost. you in purgatory, right? Yeah. And his cost, yeah, exactly. Well, and and how well he could play, yeah. You end up with an eight and eight season, eight and nine season, or whatever. And yeah, you, you want to. It's funny you want a worse quarterback, but we're gonna have good things to say about Jared Goff. But uh, yeah, outside, yeah, outside of the, <clears throat> we'll get to the coaching after that, I guess. But the Sewell thing maybe won't be some huge you know, a game changing thing immediately if you don't have the team around him, but offensive line probably a strength of the team in general anyway. So you'll have a, you'll have a, you'll have a decent offensive line. It's, it sucks. It's probably not even a top 10 offensive line. It's close. I, I bet I, I'd have to look, I bet I'm have around 10th. But top half of the league. It's definitely top half. That is probably your strength. Their strength last year was probably, you know, at, at some points, the passing game, because you had a good quarterback that we just nailed on with Galladay and Jones and a decent tight end. And now you just have a decent tight end and a bunch of God knows what at wide receivers. So the wide receiver core, I'm not sure you can take a, a unit and fall that far. I'm not that sure anyone has done that with a unit. That that's a, that's a heavy fall from grace for Galladay, the Eagles, Jones, the Jags. And Stafford for Goff. Your passing game is going to be worse. And you've got, I don't know, the coach from a bad Disney movie coaching you. Like if Disney were on HBO, that didn't even make a lot of sense. But like, I don't know. Like we we might want to just get to this guy eventually here. It's just I don't think I don't think this works in 2021. Like these are not college kids. These are not high school kids, especially college kids might not work anymore now that they can get paid. But like these are not high school kids that you can scream at and rah rah motivate. These are businessmen with a lot of money who respect, you know, forward thinking. Uh, you know, I guess like look at the coaches who are who are successful in the league. They're innovators. They're respected by their players because they they lead by example and not say crazy. You know, you don't see Andy Reid or Bill Belichick saying crazy stuff. I guess Bill's crazy in his own different way, and Andy Reid has the Hawaiian shirts, but like. If you remember Mike Tice, he coached the Vikings. He's probably still in the league somewhere. Mike Tice was coached for the Vikings one, and he tried this. He like he ran out in the practice field one day on practice with a, a jersey and shoulder pads on to like motivate the team. It didn't work. That stuff doesn't work. These aren't seventeen-year-old kids. Like I'm, I'm super not sold on this. And at the same time, I'm, th- I'm I'm thinking maybe once they lost, you know, some of the candidates they interviewed, they interviewed Salah, they interviewed Staley. They interviewed, I think, three or four guys that ended up head coaches elsewhere. I think maybe once they missed all their guys, they just said, fuck it, let's find someone cheap, and we'll probably fire them in two years when the rebuild is fixed. So maybe it was a decent move. I'm not sure if it was cheap. I'd have to check his salary. Either way, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I'm not sure what part of his – somebody just called him Walmart Jim Harbaugh. (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what he did in the interview process that we're like, all right, this, this lunatic, he's our guy. Like, I'm sure this will work. You want to know what it was? They thought he was Dan Campbell, Matt Campbell. <laughs> no, they, uh, they interviewed Sala and they liked Sala and they liked his energy. And then Dan Campbell came in and did a very good Robert Sala impression after Sala got hired by the jets and turned down the lions. I think that was probably the, how the dots got connected here. And, you know, realistically, I think this had like, you're, you're right. The, the Dan Campbell rah, rah, bite him in the kneecaps, quotable nonsense does not last long in the NFL, not in today's NFL at least. And, and, but at the same time, it'll make a positive impression in year one relative to what they had last year with Patricia right and in general like you get this you get the feeling from reading like player quotes and seeing videos of Detroit Lions camp that the players are relatively happy because this is an upgrade in sort of the attitude in, in the building right like oh this is much more fun than what we had under Patricia right so just the general sort of fun um aspect fun novelty of it i think is going to get the most out of these guys at the from the beginning here um the problem is this you know this feels like one year removed from the joe judge experience like you bring a joe judge in year one he's like all this energy all of a sudden it's fun playing for him you get a surprisingly good performance out of your defense uh you know some things go well and then year two he has him doing sprints and push-ups and stuff in training camp and they're like no, I'm over this. Like, I'm a professional. I don't need to be treated like this. Like, this is not, this isn't how you treat adults, <laughs> right? And I think that's probably the path that Dan Campbell goes down. I feel like we're going to relive history here. Um, and so I think I, I'm, I am not going to tell you that Dan Campbell is going to be a good coach in the long run, in the short run, in the medium run for the Detroit Lions. I can just tell you that there, if they find success early in this season, if they luck into a couple wins, if the team gels and has chemistry and cohesiveness at all, you are going to get a lot of stories about, boy, were we wrong about Dan Campbell? He really has got it figured out. Like, you know, like the 180 that the media is going to spin on this guy is going to be, you know, break your neck. And I'm just going to stay the course and recognize yeah, I'm, that. I'm going to be clutching to that wall, letting work. the waves hit me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh, yeah, no, let this come and go. Let this come and go. Okay. You bring Year up a good point you know, about Patricia, yeah. though, too. Like, that kind of culture doesn't work either. Like, Patricia was no. the, oh, the he's same he's kind of abject dick. Yeah, he was just a dick, you know, the smartest guy in the room who turned out to not be that smart. That doesn't work either. There's a, I like, it, it's, it's like saying there's no right way to coach an NFL team, but there's plenty of wrong ways. And I think they, Patricia was definitely it. And Campbell might be too. It's what, like you said, it might work early on, but it's one of those things. And we'll get into this offense. If this offense just doesn't work, the defense isn't good. The team is going to lose. Like this stuff works when you're a plucky team that's grinding out a couple of wins here and there. But if this yeah. team starts slow, that stuff that stuff will wear thin Gets old, even right. faster. So, but here's the thing: who knows so how that thing. goes? It, this this feels so much like Giants 2.0, like so much. I can't get over it. Like the coaching staff, All right? You bring in a, a an ex head coach in Anthony Lynn that plays the Jerry, the Jason Garrett role. Runs a minus EV offense. Your offense is is hitting its head against the ceiling created by your own scheme, right? You bring in a good, not well known, relatively talented defensive coordinator, guy who got absolute oh, 
got got absolute uh, you know studs developed into all pros for the New Orleans Saints in their secondary. Put him with a, a team of young players on defense. The defense is probably going to surprise. I'm guessing that they're going to be like like they're like. Let me look at what the market ranking is right now for the uh, Detroit Lions defense. You want to guess what the market expects this defense to come in in terms of top top thirty two? Twenty third. 31. This is supposed to be the second wow. to worst defense in the I thought, NFL. I thought the offense would be over. I thought they'd be overranked, I guess. The I offense is, The offense is 31st, the defense is 31st. Okay. I can tell you with almost I can tell you just looking at some of these other teams that they're down here with in terms of defense is that this defense right is under this underrated, underrated. They're not like a top half but they're Mike. They're clearly in the twenties. They are not a thirty-first best defense in the NFL. When you look at the talent that this team has, um, it's important maybe to put up, you know, you know kind of characterize some of the other uh, additions. You know, that the, the defense turned over. Ma- I mean, the the whole team turned over massively. Like yes. they had a huge amount of turnover. But everybody that walked out the door from the defensive side of things is a giant shrug. Uh, no one that I was like, re- you know, really upset to see go, uh, you know, guys, a lot of guys past their peak. A lot of guys are paying too much anyway. Um, and, you know, they reloaded pretty reasonably with a couple of impressive picks. I thought on the uh, defensive line, Levi out of Washington was a really nice, like he's, he's going to be, uh, you know, a five to eight year starter for you. Um, I like McNeil out of NC state as well. Like you got a couple of nice young bodies now that you can freaking rotate through your D line. Your D line is all of a sudden deeper. Um, you, you know, you have flowers who was a way overpaid last year, but he's still a decently talented player on the end. Uh, you got Jamie Collins who was overpaid last year, but he is still a decently talented linebacker. And yeah, you literally just need any of these, uh, you know, the cornerbacks to medium hit. And this is not a 31, 31st ranked defense, especially considering how it's going to be coordinated, in my opinion. Yeah, like ceiling, maybe 20. If it, yeah. if it works out with a good coordinator, a couple of these guys hit pretty much. Yeah. If Akuda takes a step forward and really, I do feel bad for Akuda. High expectations when you're drafted that high, but he got his foot, his feet put to the fire early with the injuries. Like he had to take a much bigger role in a bad defense with the, you know, some rough players around him than he was probably expecting immediately. But uh, yeah, Corn Elder, Corn, our, our old friend Corn Elder makes an appearance here. <laughs> Dunbar, Ooh, the safety yeah. stay the same, the linebackers stay the same. Some new faces in the front four. Uh, maybe 20 is even a bit high for me. Like, I, I agree with you. I think 30 is probably low, but this, if the front four, play well the linebackers will be okay and you you do need a cornerback or two to play above their expectations at this point the defense won't be terrible it's just it's not an easy schedule and the defense might be out there a lot (laughs) and the people like i i can see it i just i and i really you know you talked about the draft here quick like obviously the sewell pick everybody loves that it's hard to hate on that especially at the seven like you know Three months prior to that, he was you know, top two, top three. Yeah, absolutely. And then the, the D tackle from Washington, a couple of D tackles actually in the second or third. And then uh, St. Brown, the USC kid, the wide receiver. Yeah, yeah he's legit. No, maybe not on any other team in this division, possibly, truthfully. But on the Lions, with what they have at receiver now, he's a guy who could he could play some serious time for being, he was a day three guy. 
Like he's a guy who could play yeah. in the slot. He, he did play in the slot and outside at USC. So he could probably, he's probably going to make an impact if, uh, if he has a good camp. So Are there probably two a decent wide... draft. And they have a lot of cheap, they have a lot of cheap guys on the, on the roster now, especially with the, the jettisoning, uh, the jettisoning, uh, jettisoning, jettisoning. That really, that really hit me hard. Jettisoning of Mr. Stafford. I still don't know if I got that right. They got rid of Matt Stafford and he was expensive. So the fact that they're, you know, what they're spending going into 2020 basically is kind of how you start a rebuild. So if this team has a shitty year and gets another high draft pick, maybe golf doesn't work out and they can nail a young quarterback. Like this is, this is going to start rolling. Like Miami started rolling and yeah, you just, uh, if the coaching doesn't work out, you got a couple of years to figure that out as well. You keep adding, you have a good offensive line. That's a good foundation. You bring in some young backs and receivers off waivers, see what hits there. Like, I like that. It's almost like fantasy football where you just grab guys off the waiver wires and they're like, oh man, this guy's good now. Like, this is awesome because I got him for nothing. Like that, That's what you do in this rebuild. It's kind of Miami went through a shitload of guys as far as running backs. You find something that works. You, you don't have to stick with it either when you're not paying much for it. So I love the rebuild. I'm not excited for this year. And obviously, no. yeah, they're last. Weird. We're saying bad things about the team that's going to be dead last in the division as far as projections go. Yep. How about this? Uh, two St. Browns at wide receiver in the NFC North. What are the chances of that? You think they're related? Equanimous St. Brown and uh, uh, and this this guy they drafted from Amon Ra. Amon Ra. Amon Ra and Equanimous are they brothers? You would think so, man. Who they have some crazy ass first names, and then they have you know St. Brown. Yeah. His brother is, is his brother is Equinemius. They're brothers. That's Equinemius. awesome, man. So there's two brothers named St. Brown in the NFC North. Very cool. Um, all right. I well, will give you yeah. any amount of money if you can guess. He has a third brother who plays football currently at Stanford. Oh, really? Uh, give me a give me a first letter. Oh. Oh? Hmm. Uh Audacious. Osiris. Osiris. The, oh, of the cool. Egyptian guy. I think they're, are they all Egyptian gods? Amon Ra. Oh, maybe. Pretty. They that's might cool be, theme. actually. Boy, that's a cool actually. theme. Boy, we, oh, we get back I together and we just start. We just I start love this, yapping. man. Osiris. Looks yeah, like Osiris. Osiris. I hope he ends up. I hope he ends up in the league too. So, all right, let's let's talk some golf because right. and I'm gonna let um, you. I'm gonna let you take this. I don't want to talk golf. Golf is no, over. Golf. Oh, golf. Oh, sorry. All right. Um, no, okay. before you do anything, I'm gonna give you my my 15 <laughs> yeah. second golf take, and I'll let you take go. the rest of it. Ready? Go. This could be a problem. Anybody remember golf with uh, Fisher? Yes. This could be bad. golf with Fisher part two, like golf without an offensive mastermind. Anthony, uh, Anthony Lynn makes or breaks golf. We find out if he falls into that category of terrible head coach, decent coordinator, because if golf doesn't have somebody really scheming people open, he might yeah. be dicked, which could be great for the franchise long-term. So your take. There are two things that could bring him down. One is if Anthony Lynn is not a good coordinator, he's running minus cv offense the other thing is if even if anthony lynn is scheming guys open scheme wise can those guys get open because the talent at wide receiver is so suspect 
Um, so there's there really are two things working against him here on top of the fact that he was basically given away for parts. Really, this deal was made possible by the because the Detroit Lions were like, you you will give us a first round pick in order to take this guy off your hands. Uh, that's never a you know huge thing from a confidence standpoint for a player. <laughs> um, but that said, uh, I I don't love passing on fields. I don't love it but I get it. Um, you weren't going to do well enough. You weren't going to have a good enough team around fields to have him thrive early in his career anyway. And you, I think you accelerate the risk that a guy like fields becomes a bust. If you reach, you know, if you, if you have a, this as bad a team as they have, especially rostered, uh, you know, roster wise from a, from a, um, a skill position standpoint, if you have that bad of a roster and you bring in fields, you accelerate the likelihood that he is a bust. And I don't think you want to do that. And so instead they get, uh, you know, they firm up what is their only strength really at this point in time, which is their offensive line with Penny Sewell. Penny Sewell, 10-year potential starter for you. Uh, and, you know, and again, we talked about this, I think, in our draft reactions where I think I was like, oh, I think the Lions kind of won the draft because they got good blue chip players on both lines that aren't going to help you win games this year, but they're going to help you win games next year when you have a higher pick and you can get, you know, take a swing on a rookie quarterback in next year's draft. And so ultimately everybody who is involved in this from top to bottom knows that Goff is a placeholder and that he is here for a one year stint to try to rehabilitate his image so that some other team gives him a contract after this year. I do not see him on the 2022 Lions roster. No way, no shape, no form, no how. I think they take a quarterback in next year's draft. If they have to give up, use multiple assets to move up to get in position to take a quarterback, I think they do it. Um, and I'm fine with that ultimately because, you know, this is Goff, you know, he he's shown us what he is. I think we understand where his distribution of potential quarterback play is in this league, and it is a narrow distribution. And it is not near the top. Um, and I think looked exactly like you said, Anthony Lynn's scheme could bring him down this year. I think the wide receiver room could bring him down this year. Um, and you know, but at the same time, like, you know, he would be a bust if the offensive line sucked, right? Like, yeah. like, like he could have good skill position players and a good, uh, you know, a good offensive coordinator and a really bad line. And I would have more certainty that golf wasn't going to do anything good. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's especially what we saw two years ago. Was it? I think it was after the Super Bowl reaching season. He lost a guard in a center. And I mean, again, kudos to you. You called this in the preseason. You said, and I just looked at this and he doesn't do good with pressure up the middle. And he really did struggle at certain points that year. We obviously, they haven't been back to the Super Bowl since. They've been a playoff team, but they haven't been able to reach those heights. So, yeah, Goff with, uh, without uh, McVay, a bit of a quarterback whisper, I suppose, in his ear, and without some decent, because he always had some decent weapons. In always. The like, he always had some good. So, if you want to real quickly tell me who you think the best receiver on the team is in Perriman, Terrell Williams or Amon Ross St. Brown. Like it's Jesus, man. It's it's a lot. And, and I don't want to shit on those guys because I, I feel like they they've had good games. And you know, one's a rookie, obviously, the day three rookie, but he might start in the <laughs> slot at certain points. But I mean, these are guys with upside, yeah. but they, they're certainly a whole heap of unknown because they haven't been asked to be the guys. Perriman yeah. was a bit of a 
I think he was a, a bit of a second fiddle there in Baltimore. I think for the most part, Williams was on Oakland slash Vegas. And I know that offense was just kind of, I mean, those games are track meets. A lot of times they're fun, but I don't know how it fits in here. So this will be interesting to say the least. I don't think the offense plays well. I don't think golf plays well. And later when we talk about the schedule, I'll get more into this, but they are, their schedule is forecast to be like a top 10 toughest. Some people have a top five toughest. And if you want to go, I think it was Warren Sharp's guide did opposing defenses efficiencies and their, their, you know, average of opposing defense efficiency they placed was or play against is the second toughest in the league. Pretty, you know, a lot can change, but it's never good to have that as a starting point when you have questionable receivers, a quarterback with massive question marks, a new OC, a crazy coach, and I guess a good offensive line. I won't shit talk the offensive line. I think it's good, not great. So yeah, I, having having a really tough, tough schedule tough of opposing defenses isn't going to make this any better. So I'm not I'm not excited about golf at all. No, and I mean honestly, because your strength is your offensive line, because of the temptation Anthony Lynn is tempted to establish the run, you're probably going to get a lot of golf hands off to Swift. Golf hands off to Swift. Golf on third and seven tries to hit T.J. Hawkinson. Can he hit him? It's a for five um, yards punt. Yeah, for five yards punt. Yeah, I mean the the offense is very very low. I mean the the fact that they're thirty first expectation in the NFL is fair to me. That's completely yes. fair. Um, but uh, you know there is, I think there is something positive to say about the certainty that this is a rebuild and that this, they're going to move on, right? Like it's a little less weird. It's a little less kind of tough dealing with sort of the in you know team inner team politics, knowing that. Uh, this team is not expected to win this year and that Goff is not expected to be the long-term answer at quarterback. Like I kind of like that better than a maybe like in like with the Raiders, like Carr, right? Like, like is the yeah. situation with Carr better than with Goff and the Lions? Not really, right? No, I love that. I'd rather be the owner GM fan of the Lions right now. I think they're actually, yeah. they're actually placing things well for, and again, we're, we're talking is it like, is it an upside team or is it a tanking team? It's what sucks is players can't tank because that's how you get hurt. And obviously they need to play well for future contracts. And, you know, we live in the free agency era for quite a while now. You can't play shitty and tank. Coaches can't tank because how this, you know, how do you pose that? Like, hey guys, uh, this game's getting a little too close. We need to, we need to bring it back a little in the Doug second P- half. Doug Peterson, man, he puts Seth yeah. in the second Dougie, half. Dougie, there, yeah, Dougie P did it, but he knew he was on the way out. So fuck it. He actually did him a solid on the way out the door. The yeah. only way to tank is through the front office and the yeah. way they drafted, the way they lined up this offense for this year, the way they're, you know, the the way they're structuring their mm. salary right now. I feel like the front office is at least semi-tanking, and yeah. I think that's where we end up. Because honestly, not, they're not favored in any games, man. You remember, you remember the free agency. There was a shitload of wide receivers available. You remember the draft. There was a shitload of wide receivers available mm-hmm. in that draft, and they didn't really do anything <laughs> until day three. It's right? Like done that's that for years sign. and years, and it had they, well, they done that. For, they yeah, took but so also, many first-round wide receivers yeah. over the years. Also, like you, also you risk you run the risk of putting yourself in purgatory winning eight nine games and yep. not getting the pick that you need if you bring in a couple of guys who can play you know who can play wide receiver and you put them with golf and a competent o-line like it's it is uh it is 
it is a transition year. There's no other way to put it. And I think ultimately, uh, I actually, honestly, like Goff, we didn't even mention it when we were talking about Goff, but he was kind of an injury question mark at the end of last year. Yeah. Do we think he makes it through this year healthy? It's a good offensive line. And I think he knows what, what he, I think he, he's not a dumb kid. He understands where he's at. He he knows where he stands. Well, that's the thing. Like he understands where he's at in this transition year too. He's looking to not get hurt and not play so bad that he can't get an next contract. Yeah, so safe, they, safe stuff. No picks, uh, I'm no not fumbles. Taking, I'm not safe taking, stuff. He's, he's going to throw out a bound so much. Oh my God. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my space, God. You're right. You get that you're ball right. out of bounds. You don't get hurt. You you're sign so a right. decent contract. You go get like a case Keenum like contract. Just keep getting paid, play somewhere get a second chance or, or, you know what, maybe, and obviously he's a competitor. He's a pro athlete in his head. He probably has some inkling of, you know, I, I've been to the Super Bowl already. I have the capacity to do this. I just need the team around me and the coach. To do hey, it man. With. Like he wants to end up in a better situation. So yeah, he needs to have a decent year without, and if the team doesn't win, other teams will be like, you know, it just with those receivers, what are you going to do? Let's get, let's get golf on our team with some yep. good players around him. And maybe we can make that work. Cause right now hey, we're sitting Ter- on Terod Taylor. Terod Taylor got a job in this league a couple for a, or a, on a couple, couple different times. teams now, a couple, couple different times yeah. now. He's probably gonna start for the damn Texans. He started for the chargers last year. Like, I mean, if Goff can do a if, if Goff can do a, a decent Terod Taylor impression this year for the Lions, he gets a job next year. Absolutely, he gets a job. There's a you're decent out, you're case right. to be made for Terod Taylor being the start, the jump start of the Bills dynasty. Oh wow! Which hasn't started yet. They have to win a Super Bowl. It's supposed to be yeah, a dynasty. Right. Um, but he so, took that team to the playoffs. That was such a weird year. Um, you know, yeah, so like, you, in, you you had made some cases for upside. And yeah, I, I have. It, yeah. It's I I get it. I mean, upside. I know upside yeah, let's go to the upside. I mean, maybe yeah, covering. We'll, we'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait till we'll wait till we see. We'll, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fair. But before before kind of moving on, I think you brought up. I think you brought up the winning angle, on how to bet these guys. Golf interceptions under. You want to guess what that number is? Uh, Eleven and a half. Thirteen. <laughs> you know how many? You know how many paths to victory there are for that. He gets benched. He gets benched. He gets, he gets hurt. hurt. He just throws the ball out of bounds on 20 of his 30 pass attempts every week yep. for 10 weeks and then eventually gets replaced by David Blah or who's the other guy in there? The Tim Boyle. Like Blah, yeah, this Blah is... is not taking the second string snaps. Boyle is actually taking Oh, the Boyle is taking snaps. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Tim Boyle. Oh, wow. How about that? Where did Tim Boyle go to school? I actually I made a case for him to throw the most picks the sporting and now I feel terrible about it. Gosh. Off? I just think because, you stumbled into exactly. The I know. Most I, I think I, I, I think I, I think I went the opposite way now that I said that out loud. Like I've done a full 360 from this morning. My God. Um, maybe, maybe some yardage overs for the, the running back yardage overs will be low because they're going to be a team. That's always behind. Also, there, it's there's gonna be committee. It's going to be a committee. Mess. Yeah. It's going to be a committee mess. Oh, there, there's some ways to attack this team. God damn it. Now I hate my golf. Now I hate my golf most interceptions. I just <laughs> I looked at the, the schedule. Bet, it's like, man, there's rough. But now that yeah, now that you get into the meat of it, he might just be tossing it out of bounds trying to get that next contract. Safety first. He's a smart kid. He so. is a smart kid. Um, plus he's not gonna, you know, they, there's not gonna be he's not gonna force it to the guys that aren't getting open, which is gonna be what's gonna be happening on the deep on the passing downs where he has to get eight, nine, ten yards to get the to keep the drive going. Those balls are going out of bounds, or he's scrambling, or he's checking down. When he does force it too, 
he's going to force it short. It's going to be a lot. Yes. Honestly, I might some Hawkinson overs. <laughs> he's going to just yeah. feed that oh, yeah. guy. That guy's so, receptions overs. You can't make that number big enough. Oh, he's going to get 100. Um, that's, that's probably a targets. massive number anyway. What do you What do you think that number is? Probably 80, right? Let's see if it even if it's even up. Hawkinson, I'm not even sure. Guess what it. it is. I'd put. I thought that would be like high 60s. Uh, I don't have it, but yeah, I got him for 775 receiving yards. So he's that total. It's probably pretty close to. If he wants to get 775, 775 receiving yards, the way Goff will throw them the ball, that's 110 catches. (laughs) So, all right, let's let's pull up the schedule and see how bad this really is. (laughs) I'm betting that Goff under interceptions. Unless you can talk me out of it as we look at the schedule. The biggest thing that sticks out to me right now is I laughed at how much they're a touchdown or more dogs in a lot of games is the game. They're the most likely to win implied by the odds. There is a pretty steady stream of rumors that Philadelphia might get to Sean Watson. So the the game that they're most likely to win, according to the preseason odds, might have a top five quarterback coming off yeah. suspension at that point. Yeah. Like their their only hope is that Watson gets eight games, eight, I guess, eight games. because yeah. they play eight, <laughs> eight yes. and then you get to still play. and maybe Jalen Hurts is not bad. I don't know. Yeah, he might not. He good. might be part of the deal. I'm not sure how that goes. But so yeah, outside of Cincinnati and Philly, it is a lot of big underdog spots against uh, Green Bay, Chicago, and Minnesota. They're you know field goal ish dogs, but I mean. Seven, seven and a half, seven and a half, yeah. five and a half, eight and a half to start the season. And it's one of those things where line. the expectations are that? pretty low. They're pretty low. And depending on this offense, look, Femi just brought this up in the chat. Depending on this offense looks, they might be a decent, uh, they might be a decent teaser, like against, honestly. Against, for some yeah. of these, you know, <laughs> yeah. in some of these shorter ones, maybe I could, I could, uh, if I'm going to bet somebody in a teaser, I need them to have an okay defense to not give it away at the end but uh yeah some of these like green bay as a teaser like on monday night football the whole world is gonna have that in a teaser if it's since it's seven and a half no way that is a seven and a half this is these are these were the uh, look aheads from that they released all in one shot yeah um it's got to be uh that's got to be pre-certainty that aaron Rodgers was gonna play i bet you that game's like 10-ish now um oh that's fair that was like the midpoint between love and rogers yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, this you've said it a couple times and you're dead on. The schedule is balls tough. Fucking A, this is a tough schedule. I don't for a team that finished clearly in fourth place to have this difficult of a schedule is eye-opening. It's surprising. It's and and honestly, the NFC North is not especially tough. So six of their games are just like, yeah, I mean, they're tough, but you know. They know how to play the, the Vikings and the Bears. You know, yeah, they, they, the they, Vikings, they've stolen some wins. They've stolen some wins off of those teams. They've stolen they some backers over the last couple of years. So, you know, it's, the it's, defense it's stinks, a, though. The Vikings actually, like, the only upside is the Vikings have a couple decent receivers and a good back. Yeah, this like is the, the problem. Here's the and problem. And you face the AFC North. Yeah, you know, you just said it. Here's the problem. As the NFC, and you're gonna, this is going to be a common theme. We're going to say it again during the Bears. We're going to say it again during the Vikings. We're going to say it again during the Packers. This is absolutely brutal that 
one division drew the most difficult division in the AFC and the most difficult division in the NFC as their cross opponents. Mm -hmm. And that is what happened with the NFC North this year. You got to play all the AFC West. You have legitimate talent, you know, like the worst team in the AFC West, I'm excuse me, the NFC West, the worst team in the NFC West, uh, Arizona Cardinals, that's a middle of the pack team. Their power number right now, plus, you know, plus one. So they're above average expectation right now, market power number wise. So you're playing four teams from the NFC West that are all better than average. You're playing four teams from the AFC North, three of whom are well above average. Uh, so right there, seven of your games, you're in, you know, you're absolutely a long shot without even lifting a finger. Um, and then, yeah, of course, you get two against Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, right right there, we've counted, um, you know, nine games where you have realistically less than a 25% chance to win. I guess less than a 30, less than a 30% chance to win, um, which means, uh, you know, you're probably, you're, you're adding up wins starting with 0-9, <laughs> realistically. Uh, and then the other eight games, you got, uh, you got, yeah yeah you, you brought it up exactly right you got four against chicago and mini and a best case scenario you split with those guys you win your home games that's two and not a, ton, not, Philly, not a ton of situations four, stuff on this that gets you to like... four yeah no there's <clears throat> i i can make a plausible case that this team gets to four wins considering how difficult this schedule is yeah. and you this has Denver been one of the most in the year <clears throat> This has been one of the most bet overs, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, people are really have been have been hitting this team hard uh, throughout the offseason. People want a piece of this over. And I gotta tell you, you're gonna be you're gonna need some chaos. You're gonna need some surprises, some injuries to get there because these games are just so freaking tough. What's the Thanksgiving yeah. game? Chicago. Chicago. The, the, the only really sweet spot situationally is the next week. Minnesota is on their on a back to back, and the Lions will get extra rest off the Thanksgiving game. The rest of them, I mean, they have a couple like opponents are off a back to back. That's one of them. the The only other one is Philly. If Philly doesn't make a move, that might be a way to win. Otherwise, it's a bunch of disadvantage stuff. You have back to backs that end up in Seattle and Cleveland. Those aren't Ugh. those aren't great ways to do. It. You know, the other one is Ugh. Chicago and Minnesota, which divisional teams never easy. At least you're playing them. Yeah. Yeah, your extra rest off the bye is an away game at Pittsburgh. That's we are fun. Uh, we're off our bye. We get to play Pittsburgh and Cleveland on the road to start off our second half of the season here. That's a rough schedule, and there is a bunch of good defensive secondaries here. It's gonna be tough for a bad passing offense to get going uh, against this. Yeah, I'm, if I had to bet, I'd bet the under, and maybe even yeah. a alt under. I'm not yeah, believing. especially because of the likelihood that this goes sideways early. Right. I mean, yeah. like, okay, if you want me, you want me to give me a, you want me to give you a positive here. Uh, they get to play their two cold weather opponents in uh, Green Bay and Chicago. They get them in September. Yeah, so, that's true. Congratulations. You don't have to go outside in, in the cold of winter and make add insult to injury there. Um, the uh, that game week four, we'll get to Chicago. I don't. Maybe I won't spoil the surprise, but uh, you want to guess what that save total it. is? You want to guess what that total is? Save, save it for the Bears part. All right, I'll save it. I'll save it. Um, okay. Well. Uh, not, not looking good all of a sudden for our Detroit Lions. Uh, I think I was, uh, you know, my, 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 my general feeling that, uh, this team had could surprise to the upside was based mostly on the very, very low expectations. 
Um, let's look at the odds and see if there's any bettable angles on this sucker. Um, it's two in the Super Bowl, 150 to one is a stay away. Two in the NFC, 75 to one is a stay away. Two in the NFC North, 25 to one. Uh, that's, a big, that's a big old number. Number, <laughs> big for, fat number. And you know, as much as I've shat on these receivers, I did say they're unknowns. Like if if Lynn turns out to be like you need a few a few things have to happen. Lynn has to work well with Goff, and these receivers overperform. The defense has to be around that twentieth mark, and like anything can happen from there. Aaron Rodgers could get hurt, and then the other three teams are right in the mix if this offense is working. I'm not saying to bet it, but boy, I'd take that ten times over ten against to make the playoffs. Oh hell yes! They're not making a wild card spot, I don't believe. And I think to yeah, I think to win the NFC tell. North is the right angle because honestly, without spoiling the next three teams, I I don't think it's going to take a lot of wins to win no. the <laughs> NFC North. And yeah, we <laughs> the were Vikings might just have COVID all year. <laughs> and uh, there's lots of other problems with all these other teams too. So yeah, I mean. I think you can talk yourself into a comfortable four wins. How they get to six and why people are betting over five and a half at plus one forty, I'm not sure. <laughs> That's a. It was a. It, this was the smallest opener, I believe, uh, or actually maybe the tight. The Texans were probably the smallest opener. Let me see yeah. what the opener was here. The um, the opener for the I have it bookmarked. Uh, the opener was five, so it's been bet up to five and a half, but it's juiced to the over right now. So, um, but I have heard from a lot of people who are in the bookmaking side of the counter that this is one of the more popular plays that has come across the wire. People somehow, some way, are glo- are glowing, are glossy, feel like the Lions are going to get that sixth win, uh, although they're going to need some luck to do it. I think. Yeah, I'm with it. I, I'm not laying 200 on the under. So no. I'll go an alt under four and a half, perhaps, if I was going to bet this. I don't know. I'll take a look at these markets. But uh, yeah, not not much for me on the Lions. Maybe the, the opposite of what I talked about this morning on golf. That was on yeah. 15 minutes of research, though. So you I don't, know, you uh, know, I don't this hate is how their turn, season goes. Turn around. Maybe I'll bet both, most interceptions and under interceptions. This is how their season goes. They have yet to get a win through week 11. They host Chicago on Thanksgiving. People are talking about, is this team going to go winless? Jared Goff plays through injury, gets a win versus Chicago at home, turns around, gets another win versus Minnesota at home. They have two wins all of a sudden. And the Detroit Brass says, hey, we're going to put this kid on ice because he's dealing with some injuries. And it's Tim Boyle time to clean this thing up so that they finish 10 and 2 and 15. That's yeah, they, they have like a handshake deal with Goff. They're like, all right, yeah. you were able to showcase it. We're gonna you showcase it. You got a couple wins. They were big. They were big spotlight wins. We're sitting you down. You can go get a contract somewhere else next year. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I don't know. It, in the right situation, I would take the points with this team, especially if if the market dumps on them any more than they already have. Then I would definitely take a swing. You're gonna give me 14 points. points in LA. Yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe I'd think about getting there. So Tim Boyle rules. That's Tim it. Boyle rules. Yes. And yeah, there are some we have a lot of I'm issues. Sure this that is, was a happy Gilmore reference. This is like the NFC East. Like the NFC East is the NFC North Lights. Like the, we're not high on this division by any means. So no. Oh 
quickly we move before on? we get yeah before we get to Chicago, I do a lot of things happened while I was on vacation. But we have an official DFS sponsor. It is Prize Picks. If you've seen that going on at all on Brown Bag Bets, you can get 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks when you use the promo code Deep Dive. It is putting together entries on player props. If you're into that sort of thing, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. And again, it's not like other DFS where you play against, you know, professional DFS players like you do on uh, certain other platforms, which I won't name names because I know some DFS players and they do pretty well on that because they're professionals. But you, just you versus the projections, you betting against the player prop lines and you can even mix up, you can even mix up sports. So you can do a, you know, I like later this week, I'm going to do golf and baseball. And obviously this is just me reading the benefits and features of it later once we get around to football actually being played in fact possibly even later this week when we get to some preseason i'm probably going to try to put some of this together and see how i do because well, that's cool i just feel like i could beat the system i always feel that way though and there's no sharks in the prize picks pool yeah that's that's huge I mean, that's a huge problem with DFS in general. <laughs> that's what makes it hard. That's what it's like. I only play like the, because eventually if you win enough on like DraftKings, you yeah. can't play in like the $2 contests. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's like, it's like right. I'll play the little ones because I feel like uh, the, the big guys can't get oh, me. Oh, like, uh, Andy's a big timer. He can't play in the $2 pools anymore. No, no, I can. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> so can. I don't play enough. A lot of mine are just buddy leagues for golf. Oh, okay. So. Gotcha. All right, Bears, Bears 2020. Let's move on to the Bears. Mediocrity. You want to recap? Yeah. Go for it. Yeah, mediocrity encompassed. They finished eight and eight. Their Pythag put them almost exactly at eight and eight. They obviously because of that too. They scored forty touchdowns and gave up forty one, and they played players such as Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. So, very much the definition of a middle of the pack team. But the NFC was bad enough last year too that they ended up making the playoffs. They actually started five and one. Lost six straight, which was a fun for all the Bears fans that were super excited about their team. <laughs> and then they ended up, and, and really, they ended up backing into the playoffs. They lost to Green Bay, but the Cardinals also lost, I believe, to the Rams. Somebody in the chat can probably correct me on that. And it yeah, was, I know it was Tampa, Tampa over Arizona, maybe. But either no, way, Tampa, they, they, Tampa they won beat a Carolina last week, I think. Yeah, they, they won a tiebreaker Atlanta, over the Cardinals, I think it was. And then ended up losing to New Orleans in a game that, honestly, now that I go back and look at it, it could have gone a little differently if uh, Dipshit would have, you know, put his hands together and caught that deep pass. Because, yeah. honestly, Trubisky put some air under that. He put that in a really nice spot. Maybe one of the better passes I've ever seen Trubisky throw. And the receiver just whiffed on an easy touchdown. And mm-hmm. from there, it went, and really, you were playing against an absolute beat-up New Orleans team, missing some players. You had a chance to be – I mean – Breeze was in bad shape at that point. You're missing a receiver. You had a chance to win that game, and they didn't take advantage of it. Yeah, mediocrity ends up in the middle of the pack drafting, and they've made a lot of changes. And really, I think they ended up okay as far as how that went. So I thought the draft went good. I'm I'm actually – I think we're both kind of bullish on this team, maybe even less long-term than than, uh, the the Lions. As far as turnarounds – like if you had to rate, like what what are your chances if you had to put you know two way odds Lions versus Bears who makes the playoffs sooner? Oh, I think I have to put Bears uh, at about minus two hundred there. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's right, just because they got a little <clears> head start. Uh, yeah, a little. They do have a little head start. They have some 
holes we'll get to, but I'm not a quarterback whisperer. I'm terrible at evaluating this. So I lean on other people, smart people like Thor, like other people like Solik, like other people we've talked to about the college players coming in. Uh, I mean, consensus is that fields might be a hit and that's what makes you into a playoff team sooner. So yeah, the bears season was goofy. The Trubisky injury, the, oh, the comeback, the so comeback. Comeback we mentioned against the Lions, like they had, they had come back really against the Falcons too. Yep, the the Foles aided comeback, and yeah, it was a playoff team really if you get down to it because you can't argue with that. But again, an eight and eight team that made the playoffs, and <clears throat> it's such a weird spot for the front office slash coaching. Like no one has ever danced on this razor's edge as well as it's like just. <laughs> We're just like watching them teeter with Nagy and Pace. Like, oh man, just one or two games and they're gone, and or one and two more games and they're good again. But I think that that twelve and four season carries a lot of weight, and you know, just uh, honestly surprising, I guess, the fact that the, the biggest part of the twenty twenty season for me was passing on Mitch Trubisky's fifth year, and when yeah. you do that and say this is the guy that we traded up to get. And now we're saying we were dead wrong. I don't know what conversation they had behind the scenes at Hallis Hall, but to do that and still retain your jobs is rare. So someone does believe in the naggy pace thing up there in Chicago, and maybe they might have lucked their way into maybe possibly the best quarterback in the draft. You never know. Like it's such a it's such a weird deal. So I I think a lot of turmoil that ended up not being as much turmoil as I thought there would be in the off season. And here we are 2021. I think the bears are, you know, obviously in a cold different position, but kind of in a similar position as far as odds. Like they, I think they're right there with the Vikings last year. Was it Vikings Packers roughly co-favorites last year and the bears a step behind them? Uh, Vikings were a little behind the Packers. I want to say yeah. it was like, it was like man, plus one ten, plus one fifty, plus yeah, 220 yeah, yeah. ish, something like that. Um, okay. I mean, that the 2020 Bears season was fucking bizarre. It was so damn weird. I was low on them coming into last season. Like, if you had asked me on the eve of the um, season starting, what were my favorite bets? I probably would have been like, oh, Bears alt under. Like, this team is so effed. Like, they don't have anything figured out. They're going with the Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, you know, quarterback tandem here. Like, this is a disaster waiting to happen. I was cold on these guys. And then they go out and went 5-1. and one. And they beat the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in prime time. <laughs> that was the uh, infamous game where Tom Brady uh, forgot it was fourth down and got up oh, and yeah. was like, wait, the game's over? Fourth down? No? We just had fourth down? Uh, what, a, what a long way to go for Tom Brady last year from not being able to count downs uh, in week four in prime time, excuse me, week five in prime time to winning the Super Bowl. Um, but either way, it was uh, it was a weird season. They were five and one at one point, And I don't think I think the common narrative at that point, halfway through October was this is the worst five and one team of all time. Like, there's no doubt this is the worst. And it was a ton of it is you look back was because their schedule was super, super easy. They had it easy last year they managed to find losses to some teams they probably should have beat like the uh like the lions like the vikings but uh in general their their schedule was peasy easy easy peasy and i think that aided a lot in the second the two years prior where they went 12 and 4 they had an easy schedule that that year you know and so a lot of the bears understanding how good this team was bad this team was is, is context um and 
they had a relatively healthy season i thought last year like player availability was pretty high um i thought their offense you know obviously struggled from the limitations put upon you by having a quarterback like mitch trubisky or nick Foles, both of whom were not good um and the defense is getting kind of old and they this offseason man there's some attrition here on the defense that may finally catch up to them. And we said that last year too, but this year it's now it's like, now it might be death by a thousand cuts. It's slowly gotten worse over the last few years and they're not getting any younger. Obviously the Fuller is a big deal. Like the, this, yeah, this would you rather have Andy Dalton or Kyle Fuller? My God. I'd, I'd rather have Kyle Fuller. Ten, you're like, giving Andy Dalton $10 million for Christ's sakes. Especially when you ended up drafting, like you had to know at some point, like, we're in the market to draft a quarterback if it works out. Like if you're, I don't know, let's say you don't get a quarterback, you end up with a defense. I don't know who else they would be looking at. Probably not a wide receiver at that range. Maybe a defender, maybe an offensive lineman. I'm not sure if they wouldn't have gone there. A yeah. corner, a corner would have been nice actually too. <laughs> Some of them were falling around that range. But if you don't go there, what is the plan? Andy Dalton is the plan that year. Yeah. Then you can fire Nagy. Like right there. You got Nick Foles on the roster too. So yeah. It's, yeah, it's I'm not, not sure what the plan was pre-field. Like it'd be interesting to know if like they went into the draft thinking like we have a decent chance of maybe getting quarterback if he falls to us or we're going for a quarterback. So was anyone else in the market for Andy Dalton? Like why did you give him ten million dollars? Kyle Full Kyle Fuller got nine point five from the Broncos. We watched him play. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't that excited. So, yeah, I think the Fuller thing is bad. This defense may still continue to regress. You do get uh, a defensive tackle back from a COVID opt-out, but you've been on record already on this podcast saying you are not going to give people the benefit of the doubt for taking a year off of football and just coming back and playing at the, you know, how you did in 2019. So How could you? <laughs> Uh, that's, I mean, that maybe maybe with a defensive lineman if he that'll be the exception shape, not the rule yeah if a defensive lineman does it if he stayed in shape i guess i'm a little more okay with it because it's just go out there be big stop the run do a little pass rushing if you need to and they have an okay front four so more than okay it's a good front four when healthy and together but yeah this defense will probably continue to if not take a step back be similar to last year and fields a lot of upside but again very unknown rookie and very unknown what we have for a floor and ceiling in reality because he's a rookie and yeah the the quarterbacks they have on the roster besides that don't breed um any sort of optimism from my yeah, mind so, yeah. here so the off season was weird because free agency comes and goes they bleed more uh mm -hmm. they make a couple moves you're like what uh, and at, by, on the eve of the draft, I was literally like, okay, well, Nagy and uh, Pace are done. They're going to get fired. Like, there's <laughs> yeah. literally no way that they can save their jobs at this point. Um, and lo and behold, Fields falls into their lap. And that definitely affords these guys a second life. I think it is pretty, you know, that's a, that's a common, like, save my job kind of a move. Fire the coach. Uh draft a quarterback number you know in first round you know like those are the kind of ways that a gm kind of retains the job because there's plausible 
the reasons things aren't going as well as expected, you know, like, Oh, we got a new, you know, the coach was the problem, you know, Oh, well, we got a new quarterback, you know I mean? Like there, there's, there's reasons that you can kind of explain your way out of, uh, out of a mess if you're doing a poor job managing a team. Um, and so they probably will get a couple of years with this guy. Uh, and presumably if he is anywhere close to as good as the reports suggest, and again, his skill set and his, um, you know, his general, uh, you know, kind of perfect mix of athleticism and passing ability uh, are perfect for where this team is relatively weak. Honestly, um, they don't have a ton of wide receivers who can get separation. They don't have a good offensive line at all. In fact, this might be a bad offensive line, um, but a guy like Fields could, should still be able to get things done in this type of offense. Allen Robinson is going to get separation. He's going to be wide oh, open. So if you good. can deliver precision passes, uh, you know, they have, uh, they made a couple of decent moves. I thought, um, you know, in terms of some of the skill position players that they retained brought in um, and uh, you know, they have a decent set of uh, weapons in the running game all of a sudden. Um, Montgomery, not, not only I, in the running I, game, I kind of, I'll be the, honest. The running backs I, catching I hate, balls as well. I hate Montgomery. I really would like to see them <laughs> move on from Montgomery. He is not my favorite guy, but they got, uh, they brought Damian Williamson again, a guy off of a COVID, uh, absence. So again, expectations are low here. Um, but they got Tempered. like, they got some talent all of a sudden, you know, in, in some parts of this, uh, offensive roster. And I don't know. I mean, what's your general, the Nagy experience, this is his fourth year. Year one, he made chicken salad out of Mitch Trubisky shit. Year two, I thought he tried the de to. The defense was so good. Year, that year the defense two, was and so they had good. So much turnover luck. Year two, I thought it was him proving a point to management that Trubisky wasn't the guy. Year three was, well, now what do we do to save our jobs? Does he have any of the magic that he was hired to bring from the Andy Reid system? Boy, we talked Patricia, now we're talking Nagy coming off the Belichick and Reed trees, and both of them grossly underperformed. Boy, and especially if you want to throw out that year where the defense really took that team. And and Mitch did Mitch played well in 2018, but yeah, I'm he's obviously go look at first coach fired. He's still high up there, even with the yeah. the lifeline that is a young rookie, exciting quarterback. Especially if you go with, you know, you don't start him right away and it goes bad. Be like, all right, now we're bringing him in. Like, yeah, right. This is going to buy me a few more weeks, which sucks because it's not how I would do things. But yeah, and, and and the defense, yeah, the defense, I just talked a couple times about how good 2018's defense was. Somebody in the chat, I think James in the chat said, you know, is Jalen Johnson the best corner on the team? Who's number two? <laughs> You're right, because Desmond Trufant is a name like yeah. that people know, but Desmond Trufant, low key sucks now and oh, he yeah. might not be the he might not be the starting corner on the other side for part of the, you know for a chunk of the season if some of these young guys push him so i mean they do have a bunch of young corners of some unknowns and uh, i guess uh to sean gibson there but uh Eddie jackson rocks so, so yeah the safe the safeties the safeties will be all right and Eddie, yeah eddie jackson great free safety um gibson Gibson is strong. I guess I'm okay with that. But yeah, the outside of Jalen, and that's not like I'm a huge Jalen Johnson guy, but yeah, the cornerbacks could be a bit of an issue. Jalen Johnson, that, I thought was kind of good last year. He's a rookie. He's going to make take yeah. a step forward. I thought they he's hit on have that. to. 
I thought they hit on that pick. Yeah. Uh, personally, I that was a second rounder too. So, yeah, he's, honestly, he's you know probably what? their best corner. This defense. If they kept, suck. if they gave, if they gave that ten million dollars from Andy Dalton to Kyle Fuller, I'm in on this team. I'm beating. I'm, I'm, I'm screaming that they have more of a chance than people realize. But like, they're really, really, really going to be reliant on their pass rush, winning one v one and getting home. And they are really, really, really putting these quarterbacks into, you know, into difficult coverage spots a lot here. I mean, the, the linebacking core, great. The pass rush, great. Defensive tack, Hakeem Hicks, love him. Uh, you know, this is a very strong front seven and a very questionable cornerback, nickelback situation that the safeties are going to have to help them. Yeah. But again, like the scheme can work. This can work. This will, this could on paper, especially against the medium or below average offense, this could look like a good defense. Don't you think? Yeah. If the pass rush works and yeah, like Hicks good, maybe gets better again with Goldman next to him having, you know, it'll be, it'll be the 20, It'll be the 2019 defensive line kind of in this defense with Quinn there. How too. much money they're making? Oh my it's God, a lot. Dude. It's well, just between oh Mac and yeah, it's it's a ton. And Mac's 30 now. So I mean they're it's a little bit of an older defensive line, but it should be good. Yeah, Roquan, obviously. Roquan is a stud. Danny Trevathan's very good. The safety, at least free safety, I'm pretty happy with Eddie Jackson. But if the cornerback play is suspect, a lot of that doesn't matter because it's a passing league. And if you can get guys open early, it's uh, we go back and back and back on this. But the Patriots a few years ago where they were struggling on the offensive line and then the playoffs, they just said, well, Brady's going to get rid of the ball about – five tenths of a second faster on average every single down now from now on and it's like they went up against good pass rush after good pass rush and they never got home because they just got rid of the ball so fast so if the secondary sucks and teams can figure out that well our guys are open early we're just going to not let this pass rush this expensive pass rush beat us and just beat them with short stuff nickel and dime them west coast their ass to death it's a very beatable and that's you know outside of that then you know we have roster holes for chicago on the on the rundown here i think the secondary is a big question mark and you brought it up before and i'd like yeah. you to expand on this too the offensive line <sighs> is maybe a bigger roster hole for me and you know as, as much as we said like that's the only good thing if you put the lions and bears together you got a decent team you gotta have a team, <laughs> honestly because point. the lions have a good offensive line they got some youth in the secondary that might be yeah. pretty decent. Um, oh man, that's a great point. Uh, this offensive line for the Bears. Uh, if you made me say what is the, one of the highest confidence opinions you have about the Bears, is that this is going to be a bottom five unit. I have a twenty-eight. I think that's that counts barely by the skin and by the hair of their berry chins. That is a bottom five. Um, tied with someone. Uh, I realistically i don't even i say that i have high confidence in that because i don't see much upside the starting the first of all the guy that they you know i at the time i thought whoa steal uh when they went and got tevin jenkins to be their left tackle of the future kid out of oklahoma state great tape great potential great everything not healthy not healthy i don't know what you're going to get out of him this year i don't know that he's getting the reps he needs in camp um, the rest of this line, uh, Jermaine Ifedi, Cody Whitehair, James Daniels. Oh my goodness, man. Uh, and then your right tackle situation. I, I don't even know. 
I mean, who's even going to get the go get the look? Wilkinson. Uh, this is setting up to be a really, really poor unit, which means anytime they go up against a team that can rush the passer well, the offense is going to look poor. Anytime they are in a we need to come back to get back into the game situation, they are going to struggle because teams are going to be able to put pressure on them anytime because that's the key. If your offensive line is this bad, you're going to struggle in comeback mode. You are. Doesn't matter how good your quarterback play is. Doesn't matter how good your offensive skill position players are. Like if you're if you're this questionable in terms of pass pro and you are in an obvious passing down situation at the end of a game where you're down by a touchdown or more, you are going to struggle. So this is a Bears team that I will be happy to lay the points against if they are playing good teams and they are losing at halftime. That is kind of my general they, read on them. They might move a Fetty into guard. That's where I'm seeing him now, left guard or right yeah, guard. Yeah, and then right guard. Yeah, there, there's some there's some some people that I mean I think he can play right tackle too, but I think that Wilkin uh, Wilkinson will be a right tackle. But either way, like not excited about any of those guys and. <laughs> Especially if you an oft injured possible, you know possible injury risk slash young guy at left tackle. None of that sounds good. None of, that makes me nervous for my guy. My guy Justin. Yeah, me too. And honestly, like I want him to succeed. Um, but at least he's scrambly. That's that is that's key. That's huge. And really, at least he's scrambly. What that means is if they get off to some, they can get off to some good starts in games, right? Like like there's like this is gonna be. A high vol, a high volatility team. Like one week, their pass rush is clicking. They're sacking. They're getting strip sacks. They're getting fumble return six. Justin Fields is eluding the pressure. He's scrambling for seventy-five yard touchdowns. The next week, it is just they can't get pressure. They're down by fourteen points and they're losing by forty. Right? Like this is one of those teams where it's going to go both ends of the spectrum. You're going to see it all. This isn't going to be every game is decided by a field goal. The little things are going to matter. You know, margins are going to be narrow. Like it's going to be all or nothing every week with these guys. And I look forward to buying and selling on the positives and the negatives accordingly. Yeah. Bears down by 10 at halftime, betting Dead. the opponent. I'm betting the yeah. opponent money line second half. <laughs> I'm, exactly. That's not where you want to put. They can rush the passer. Let's look at the schedule and find some of those that, teams. That, and that's the thing. Yeah, obviously, by, you'll have to put a little context. I'm not just going to do that blindly. But a team that putting a young quarterback behind a questionable offensive line, making him try to come back and throw a lot, that's not where I want a team in or the even, half. Or even week one, Andy Dalton. Yeah. Andy Dalton's not where I want. I'm not putting him behind that bad offensive line doing that too. We saw yeah. what happens because the Dallas offensive line was an unmitigated disaster. I and, have a, I mean, a bet that, already. That didn't go well. No, it didn't. I have a bet already on the Rams bears under predicated on the bears, not scoring in that game. Uh, and I bet it already, but I have another bigger bet in the queue that I'm waiting for like full confirmation that it is going to be uh, Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. And if, and if, and when it is, that is bombs away because I got to tell you, man, there's a, a Cleveland week three. Oh my God. That pass rush against this offensive line. Good fucking luck. Uh, Tampa Bay. Those week are fun seven. ones to oh, take, buddy. take San Francisco week money. eight. Oh, buddy. Pittsburgh week nine. Boom. One, two, three. Those are three. That, okay. So this is how it goes. Ready? San Francisco and Tampa Bay pass rush just absolutely eat the Bears alive back to back. 
people look at Pittsburgh and they say, well, this Pittsburgh uh, defensive line is going to eat the Bears alive as well. Therefore, we're going to back the Pittsburgh is going to be completely out of whack there. That might be an insane number. And then you back the Bears there because the Bears pass rush is going to get theirs against the weak Pittsburgh offensive line. That's a game where you absolutely find the you take a little bit of money. Well, you know, just like a quarter of what you'd normally bet on a game and bet defensive touchdown. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And Bears money line too, but like defense, defensive touchdown, because, and it's a Monday night game. So everybody will have the first, first touchdown, first touchdown defense. Oh, defense. Anytime. I love that. There's going to be, I love that. There's a possibility for what? What's your over under on strip sacks in that game? Three and a half. Yeah, three and a half. Yeah. <laughs> like the ball's gonna be bounced around. That'll be a fun game. Yeah. That's gonna be a really fun Monday night football game. You know, hopefully it rains. Yeah. Oh god, that'd be so great in Pittsburgh if like around Halloween there. Oh, that would be so good. Um, oh man, I'm sweating this Tommy Paul. Just he blew match point. Come on, Tommy. Come on, Tommy. Pull it together. Jeez, Tommy. Do you see who he's dating? He's not, uh, worried, about he's not worried about Dennis right now. I'm worried about him. I'm worried about yeah. him, man. He can. He, well, you better he, let him know. You want to. You want to. You want to keep. Uh, you want to keep that relationship happy. You got to do a lot better than uh, losing to Vasek Pospisil. I'm sorry. Um, back to the Bears' schedule. Yes, the schedule is very, very tough. On top of the fact that uh, there are a lot of teams with very good pass rush here. Um, boy, I mean, top, what, what, are, what are the, what are the, what are the five toughest pass rushes that they'll face this year? Well, it, it just, and just, we'll say this again versus for the Packers. We'll say it for the Vikings based on the divisions they play. They're playing a bunch of tough defenses. This is going to be a theme. It's no different from the lions. The bears play a lot of the same teams and really the, the only advantage they have over playing over Detroit is that they don't have to play themselves because they themselves are a decent pass rush. That's what makes it worse for Detroit. But yeah, <laughs> going up again, going up against the the Rams, what they can get the, not only outside, but the interior pressure, the Cleveland pass rush may well be the best pass rush in the league when it, when the dust settles after 18 weeks. And again, yep. the Pittsburgh's offensive line might suck, but their defensive pass rush still will be very good. Even after losing Dupree, um, you know, facing Minnesota twice too. Minnesota getting Hunter back, and they have a defensive-minded head coach. Getting, getting them back on track with the pass rush. It's not going to be a top five they face, but that Minnesota pass rush, it might be a bad defense, but that pass rush might come together a little. And then, really, you got the the you got to face the Giants defense. I get to get them at home. There's there's some tough spots there. Baltimore's not fun. Niners, that's not fun. Tampa, you mentioned, that's not fun. Like this, if this offensive line truly does stink, it'd probably be best best case scenario for this team. Fields is good. Here, here's best case. Fields is good, but doesn't get hurt somehow behind this yeah. patchwork offensive line. They yes. lose like 14 games and they move on from Nagy and Pace. Yeah, and fields, and then they invest in a high-end offensive tackle. Yeah. They invest a little more in some they, lower-priced offensive weapons, and they don't they have a, a ton coach. of draft capital because of the fields trade. Yes, right? they they have not had some draft capital. It's been Did it's they, been a rough year. They, they mortgage the future, right? Yeah, a little bit, which sucks, but at the same time, I'd rather see this team do a little more of a rebuild than win like nine games or you know make the playoffs. So, but you know, if I'm, if I'm running the team, if I'm a fan, if I'm watching this team, like it's fun to have your team make the playoffs, but getting some decent draft capital for next year, 
Yeah. And building this offensive lineup a little around a, an exciting young rookie and a good offense and a, and a good receiver, some good running backs and getting some younger pieces on the defense. I'd like that. I'd like that a lot. Um, oh, here's a, they have a tricolor spot, Baltimore. Jesus. I know that's a weird one. Their bears are coming off of their buy. Baltimore is coming off of Thursday night football. So it's a little, but also a back to back, but also a second week in a row on the road. Yeah. Um, here's a fun over under over under. I will bet on 13 and a half bears games this year. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to bet this team every damn week. I of the, you know, like, 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 like you were saying in the run up and the prep for this pod, you were having a tough time getting a read on the bears, right? I think season long. Yes. Like I, I was no part of a right. season long thing, but I think we did. You're right. We nailed on a lot of things. Like if this offensive Tommy line Paul. is shit, Tommy Fuck Paul, yes. there we go. Fuck yeah. If this offensive line is shit, we're going to know a lot of ways to bet this team. We're going to have some good looks in the second half. If they're behind, we're going to have some good look, like team total under second half. Oh yeah. Those oh, are yes. going to be overpriced. Well, they got to come back. Well, they won't. Because everyone knows they're throwing now, and their offensive line already stinks. So if, if this defense stinks and the offensive line or stinks a little bit, on an equal level to last year, which wasn't <laughs> a stinky defense, it was just sure. worse than the year before, which was year, sure. worse than the year before that. If sure. the defense continues that pattern or stays static last year, league the average, offensive line stinks. Yeah, well, we'll, I think we'll know what to yeah we'll know what to do. With this team, it's probably yeah. and if the defense steps up, it's an unders team. Boy, isn't it an unders team? Oh boy, is it? Yes, it is. It absolutely is. Um, especially if they convince themselves that they're a defensive team and they get they you get like a, a, a it becomes the David Montgomery. And they show. become con- con- the, uh, conservative. <laughs> if it's the Montgomery show, oh god! How many? Okay, here, here's the last one. Last fun uh, fun prop for you: over under two and a half starts for Andy Dalton. I think I'm over. I juice really? that. I juice that over. I think he starts two, three games. I, just the way the Bears. Can you pull I up feel like the schedule? Get schedule again for me, and you tell me the optimal time that you want to insert Andy Dalton. You want to insert Justin Fields? You want to let him? You want to let? You want to let Andy Dalton die in Cleveland, and then you yep, bring in Justin Fields? No, that's perfect. That's honestly perfect. <laughs> okay. Yeah, boy, look at that look, nice little then, start. Detroit, Vegas, back to back is your and first then yeah, you, as a pro. Hey, buddy, that oh, was man, a great you might first run start. Let's take you to Vegas. You might run a muck, man. Okay, yeah, so I, two and a half. I, See, I, I thought two and a half was a sharp number. So you think that? Yeah, you think Andy Dalton gets juicy two and a half? He, he gets three starts. Okay. Yeah, like okay. there's a decent chance that Fields' first action is versus Cleveland. With Andy, the, the, <laughs> oh, the red. Does the two and a half? Just, is the two and a half have to be? The halftime no, of game it's not two. Like a, it's not like it's not a like boxing UFC. Prop. It's not like no, UFC. It's not, no, it's not about it. It's start game started. He starts game three. Okay. okay. So he starts game three. He does not finish game three. He leaves on a okay. uh, in a walking boot. As he he has it. a Liz Frank injury. I'm going to call it to get pretty specific. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. oh wow! Giving him the Carson Wentz toe fracture or whatever it was. Yeah, it's um, just a hard. That's turf going talk. around, man. That's going around. Let's, let's um, take a look at the odds then. Yeah, let's look at our odds. Chicago to win the Super Bowl is 50 to 1. To win the NFC plus 2250. Yeah, neither of those, like the upside of this team isn't good enough to win three playoff games. I'm sorry. And the upside of this team isn't good enough to get a playoff buy. So there's no reason really to get involved in these markets because these numbers are not going to get substantially shorter. Um, <clears throat> especially because they start with 
two of their first three games are against the Rams and the Browns. Entirely, entirely possible we get to the halfway through the season and we're like, wow, the Rams and the Browns are the best two teams in the NFL. <laughs> Who knew? Uh, like that's that's possible. And they play them two of their first three. So any bets and anything in getting involved with the Bears in the futures market, best wait till week four against the Lions. See what happens with Dalton. See what happens with Fields. See if this offensive line has any cohesiveness at all. Maybe they're a league average unit, not bottom five like I think. Um, but uh, that NFC North plus 400, I think once we get, then we, once they're one and two or 0 oh and three, that number is going to be like 15, 20 to one. 12, 15, yeah. And, it, and that's probably an overreaction at that point. And maybe at that point, if you want to get involved, I won't stop you. I won't step in front of you. I can hurt you. Um, Somebody yeah. is asking what number you played that under at for week one. Uh, what 40, number did I play it? I think yeah, I played 45 and a half. 45 and a half. I was going to say 45 flat. It. Wasn't sure. So, uh, to make the playoffs plus one eighty five, you know what? That's probably a pretty sharp number because this team probably <laughs> does land somewhere in that. It's not a t- easy schedule, but I they're in a better position. Yeah. yeah, they they are. Yeah, if they probably make the playoffs one out of three times, just because the <laughs> NFC is a little weak and the yeah, Fields plays well. And, yeah. um, so I'm, I'm not interested in that. Yeah. If they you can make the me... playoffs, if they can make the playoffs last year in a seven game, seven team field, why can't they this year? <laughs> yeah, and, I and mean, that's their the schedule question. is does, easier. That's the big deal. Eight and five. Does, does eight and nine, is there an eight and nine team in the playoffs in the NFC? I think Probably it's, not I think it's, I think that's 50, I think that's 50 50. I really I'm just do. looking I at think the there's going to be versus there's going to be the there's going to be chaos. The, the NFC is so effed this year. Not only do you have all of those games, they have to go play the AFC. The AFC got more home games, but the AFC is tougher. They're going to like the, the record between the AFC and the NFC. We talked about it was going to be, you know, what the NFC AFC might win 10 more games in the NFC overall. Um, it's going to be pretty lopsided. And I could see an eight and nine getting it in, getting in for the, uh, for the NFC. I can, I, I'm going to give it about 50, 50. Um, yeah. To close the loop, I played the under week one at 45 minus one Oh eight. Uh, I did something nice for our listeners who were loyal and were then. watching our, they were watching. No, you can't. I bet you, you can't actually, everyone's doing one Oh eight now. Um, oh really? Okay. I played then. it. I, here's a quiz for you. Who's taking the largest, largest limits on totals right now. Do you know, you want to hear something weird? Do you remember uh, our friend was talking about Ryder Cup bets earlier? Yes, I do remember that. Um, Bavada and Bet Online. Who do you think's taking a larger bet on the Ryder Cup, and by well, what you would by yeah, what you, level by what order of magnitude? Uh, I mean, Bet Online has had some teeny tiny markets lately, so I'm guessing it's a 10x Bovada. It's only 5x, but it's oh, okay. 5K. That's still amazing. That's 5k amazing. on the Ryder what? Cup. What? <laughs> They are? Yes, I I don't know. There's places what is going two, on? There's places taking 250 on that. And Bavada's just throwing their schlong on the table, taking 5K on either uh, the three-way market on the on the Ryder Cup. Wow. I like yeah. that. There's Good that on happening. Them. So but yeah, Good no, it, it isn't hopefully 108 is the standard, not the uh deviation. Yeah, both awesome. Bookmaker and uh and Nitro are dealing 108 nowadays. So Cool. Book and Nitro, by the way, taking bigger limits on the NFL totals right now than Bookmaker. How about that? How about that? And 1.926. How about that? On Nitro. Um, I did something solid for our viewers who tuned into the YouTube live stream of the Colts. 
the Titans. I went in and watched because I wanted to make sure we didn't say anything like especially stupid about the Colts because we recorded it so early. And I thought we actually did a pretty good job. Uh, and, but while I was in there, I gave the people who were watching uh, the pre-recorded live uh, the nice, premiere. Yeah. The premiere. I gave them some week one plays that I had uh, had bet early. So it was it was a fun times we're having. I'm all. trying to think what I did on Wednesday. Honestly, I probably was at a beach. It's oh, like, yeah, well, of course, it's like 25, 30 bucks to park at these beaches. Oh, so you feel dude. like, so you feel like, well, not only that, like once you sit down on those beach chairs, those low beach chairs, like yeah. the house came with a bunch of beach chairs, a big ass umbrella, a bunch of boogie boards and like yeah. toys for the sand. So like once you've paid, but you're, it's, it's a cognitive bias. You heard, you know, you're angry what? No, it's a, just a pot committed one. What, what, pot committed, I think yeah. Right now. Yeah. Right. You're pot committed. Uh, there's a better word for it. We'll think of it. But once, okay. yeah, once you pay that money and you get on that comfy ass chair and you're underneath the umbrella. Sunk cost fallacy. Sunk cost fallacy, exactly. <laughs> I knew it was, I knew there's something sunk is funny for the beach. But once, yeah, once you're on the beach, it's like all of a sudden it's like, man, we've been here for like six hours. Like <laughs> we'd always pack a lunch too because we had a big cooler. So, man, I, I spend a lot of time on the beach. I got my thighs burnt really bad. That's fucking awesome. I had some, I had was some short shorts. I let the girls, I let the girls see the legs. I, I'm just gonna kind of wrap up the bears here. I have no opinion on over seven and a half, under seven and a half wins. That's a good number. That's a, fair, that's a fair price. Uh tell me about uh tell me more about Maine and what was what was the best part of your vacation? Well, you can't spit without hitting a goddamn lighthouse, I'll tell you that. They're all over. <laughs> what was the best lighthouse? Did you go to Perkins Cove? I see the the we went to the one at Nubbins, like in uh Nubble Light. Nubble Light Nubbins. I was Nubble Light. That was okay. That was the first Nubbins place I ate. The one up in Portland was better. Like that one was massive. I like that one. We didn't go that far north, but uh, the the best part was probably God. There's some good mini golf out there. Played huh. every time we'd go. And my, my kid had never done go karts. He wasn't old enough, oh, so he yeah. drove with me. So he just he'd pass him. He just yelling. We hit the turbo boost. <laughs> go karts was super fun, but yeah, we played. So four of us played 36 holes of mini golf. So what's that's all 144 holes of mini golf, <laughs> only one hole in one. And it was by my six-year-old, the youngest. Oh, nice. And he just, he turned around and gave me it like he, and he was awful. He's six. Like he was just a lucky <laughs> child. He turned around and he, he gave me like the tiger, the tiger with fist bumps. Fist bumps. It, yes. it was hilarious. He's he, like, he, didn't, I, he didn't do the fall watch followed into the hole. No, he he walks him in, but he walks, he walks every in. putt in because oh. he's excited about hitting the next ball. So he just yeah. as soon as he hits it, he starts walking. So and yeah, clam chowder. The chowder was amazing. The lobster rolls were great. I'll say I'm, I think I might like crab rolls better. The seasoning oh, in some of those crab rolls are really good. The brioche is awesome. Yeah, oh, you got to be a tarragon guy if you like the lot. If you're going to get into the lobster roll pretty heavily, did you have any just like just order a main lobster and break it down yourself? Yeah, I did that at the end of nice the trip. Part. Right. So, you know, I said, I'm going to cut out the middleman. I'm just I'm like, just give me a whole damn lobster. I didn't get a very big one. I, I wasn't terribly hungry. I'm like, just, I think two, I just got a two pounder. No, no just like, <laughs> it was, it was like a pound and a quarter, but it was, Did you, it was very good. You didn't do like the Simpsons and walk over to the thing and pick out the one you wanted and then take them home as a pet. It's crazy. How many of the seafood shacks are just like order at the Pin, window. Was that pinchy? Lobster was that pinchy? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, no, the seafood shacks are the, 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 that is the future of dining in general in the United States. They need to get on board with that. That's such just a walk up and deal. walk up like, to the yeah. window, 
put your order in, give you a number, they bring it out to your table. That's like, that's such a slick gig. It's such a slick deal. And every, Love every it. beach had, yeah, that and like 10 pizza places where it was just windows. Like, go take this, eat it at the beach. Like, why would yeah. you eat this in our restaurant? There's a beach right there. To <laughs> a, a boardwalk somewhere. Maybe somebody will know where this is. There was a amusement park right next to it, which we fucking didn't know that was there. So once we pulled into town to go to this beach, the kids see the Ferris wheel and we wouldn't hear the end of that until we went and did rides at the end of the day. But they had a boardwalk that extended out into the, on a pier. And it was like, it was so skeezy. It cost 75 cents to go to the bathroom there. There was just a lady sitting on a folding chair taking 75 cents to go to the bathroom. Like, I'm going to the ocean next time. Fuck this. Is that Old Orchard Beach? Yes, that sounds right. Yeah. That was yeah, fun. Yeah, we had yeah. fun there, though. Either way. That's cool. So, all right. Well, well cool. bears and lions in the books, Vikings and Packers on deck for Wednesday. We thank you for joining us. If you're in the YouTube chat, do a thumbs up because that's better for SEO purposes. And, uh, you know, got to pay whale salary somehow. <laughs> I'm due for a raise. Negotiations yeah. are going to be big time this year. Big time. Yes, I'm I'm we're unionizing, I believe. Hopefully oh. he doesn't watch this part. He would never watch he would never watch an hour forty deep into it. So all who right, are, thanks. Yeah, who to are our sponsors again? Winbet, prize picks, bet spurts, Drew, Andy, and producer Dan for hanging with us for a whole long podcast here. Oh, he had it easy one. last week. He just had this to post been it. one of our best. I had a lot of fun. And yeah, Xavier Howard, thank you for your master class in negotiating you absolutely keeping, nailed that keeping it together keep it together yep that was great. all right that's the